0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome on in. This is the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. We've got some hoops. We've got some football for you on today's show. But first, I didn't want to tell you, be sure to hit that subscribe button or the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. And also, thank you to all of our Twitter followers. We did it, Tim. We hit a thousand yesterday. I don't know oh, if you we saw made that, it, but wow. we are at the, the good old 1K. We are in the comma club officially. So here's to here's to the next comma. All right.
2: Wow. That's, that's pretty impressive. You know, the other day I was talking to some of my friends and they were listening to the podcast and they were like, I'm trying to be your thousandth. Like I've been saving it up for this moment. So I'll have to check if it was one of them, but I doubt it. You know, fun I fact.
1: Doubt it. <laughs> I, I actually here, let me find it real quick. I can find it off of a whim here of who our thousandth follower was. It was at George underscore Newcomb. So okay. shout out George shout Newcomb. Out. Yep. Th- thank you. Thank you for being the thousandth follower. Um, I wonder if people were scouting it, like just refreshing, seeing when it got to 999 and then finally. I think that's given to us too much credit, so, right? Yeah. Like,
2: we're I'll, not that. I'll quick. be
1: honest. <laughs> I did that with Justin Lampson. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to oh, come really? forward. And, and yeah, I I saw he was sitting at like 975 and then he committed to Cuse and I saw it was okay. 998. Nine and then boom! I was one thousand. So man, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I told them that, but uh, maybe I should have. Anyway,
2: you should put that in your Twitter
1: bio. You are Justin Lampson. No, that, that, that's that's a tool move. <laughs> that's a tool move. Like it, it was already <laughs> weird what I did. Not yeah. Not, now you don't need to be a tool about it either. Anyway, um, that was tool time with Tim and Tyler. Um, let's get into some stuff that we want to get out ahead of here. A lot of Jim Bayheim related comments on and content on today's show, um, but. I've been seeing this floated around, and I feel like we need to get out ahead of this right now, Tim. The whole conversation of since Jimmy Beheim is coming to Syracuse, that means that this is going to be Jim Beheim's last season. I've seen this floated around on Twitter, on some message boards, all that good stuff, some articles out there as well. Can we just get out in front of this right now? This isn't happening. He's not retiring after this year. This is not going to be Jim Bayheim's last year. I think both you and I know that very, very well.
2: Uh, maybe I'm not as confident as you, oh. but I'm pretty
1: confident. I'm pretty confident. So you're a truther in this regard.
2: No, I you're, wouldn't you're going say to come i out in Like Vegas so you odds are against percentage. It.
1: All right, let's, let's, play, let's play a little percentage game here, all right? Sure. Odds, this is Jim Bayheims. Give me a percentage that this will be Jim Bayheim's last season.
2: Like 10, 15%. And the only reason I say that is because look at Roy Williams. Did we think it was his last year? Now it's different people, for sure. And Bayheim, you're right. He said a lot of stuff recently, even on the tournament run, about how he's doing Pilates. He feels great. And the joke is he'll go 5, 10 more years. And I'm usually that guy. I mean, I I really don't see it coming to an end anytime soon. And I always thought definitely he'd see through Buddy's career. The only thing is, Buddy's career... There's a chance his Syracuse career ends after this year and he says, hey, maybe I'll give the NBA a shot after what we saw in the tournament. I know it sounded outrageous months ago, but and Jimmy's definitely done after this year. He only gets one year. So I think there's a chance. I don't think it's a good chance, though. Maybe 10 percent, I'd say.
1: I mean, I'm not even giving it one percent. I, okay. I, and to, to go back on your comment of Roy Williams, I, I think Roy and Jim are very different people, both very successful in their own rights. But I, I've told you this before, and I've told this to Goody, and I think you guys largely agree with me too. Roy Williams is the most self-aware coach in all of sports. Yeah. No, no one is more self-aware in the entire landscape of sports. It's like him and Nick Saban, I think, are the two most self-aware guys. And Roy knew that the game was starting to pass him up a little bit. And what did he do? He said, you know what? My time has come. I'm done. I think Jim Bayheim, I don't think that he is going to, just because the, the landscape of the sport is changing right now, he's not necessarily going to change to it. But that doesn't mean he's going to quit either. I, I just don't see him as being one of those guys. Like, this experience should have been over, what, two, three years ago now? Like You would Jim, have thought. yeah. There was the the plan in place that Mike Hopkins was going to be the next guy in line and he'd be the one in the coach's chair right now at Syracuse. Obviously that hasn't happened. I just don't see it happening with Bayheim. I think that he's got probably a solid 5 years. Like I'm not kidding when I say it. like what's he going to do? What is he going to do? <laughs> right. Remember how torturous when he got that suspension um back in the the 2015-2016 season? Remember how torturous that was to him? Like that was awful for him by the way that he described it. And because of that, I just don't see him doing anything else. He's been a basketball coach now for over 50 years. I don't see him doing anything else. What's he going to do? Sit on the couch and watch the games? I don't think that's what he wants to do. Well, he does that anyway, so he does that, and he wants
2: to keep coaching. And I'm totally for it. I think he's in good health, and it's great that he's in that position to keep going and keep riding the wave here. You're right. I do think once he calls it quits, it's going to be kind of like Roy, and it's just going to blindside us all, and it's going to happen out of nowhere. I don't think he's the type of person that's going to make a whole big to-do about his last year. Now, I don't think, and I can say this with 100% confidence – that when he gets on that podium, like Roy did, and he's saying his retirement presser, he's going to say, I've lost it, and the game has passed me by, which is basically what Roy said, which was kind of shocking to hear his humility.
1: self-awareness. He is the most self-aware coach in all of sports.
2: Beheim is aware, and I joke when I say that because our whole podcast today is basically going to be the comments that he made to Ben Axe, not our whole podcast, but a good chunk of it. We're going to talk about some of these comments, and it was just so predictable that when DeBundo wrote that article and it started to make waves, he was going to find a way to get behind a microphone or get some air and he did, and he called Brent X, and I think I even joked with you guys, once the article came out, like, can't wait for him to call into Brent X. He's very aware of what is being <laughs> yeah, said Yeah, he did there. do that. Yeah, right, right. it's no, so he predictable. Is very
1: aware, but I, I think he just does not care. Yeah, personally. well, right. I shouldn't say doesn't care. It, like, it'll bother him, but he's not going to let it affect his decisions if that sure. makes sense yeah he's like, not that's the way I think way sees it
2: yeah like it's a difference he's aware of what is being said he doesn't think that he's losing his touch or anything like that though he's very firm right, he, in his belief that they're still doing pretty well as a program and he's doing his thing and there's no reason for him to stop and I'm largely mostly with him on that
1: and, and I, I totally agree I think he's like it's not like he's lost his fastball like he, he maybe was throwing 100 miles per hour once upon a time he's probably not throwing 100 anymore but there's no shame in throwing 97 like that, that that's the way that i i kind of see it with him right now so that that to me was very very I just want to. We we have to put this to bed. I think right now, and maybe you're a little more on the the side of no, the I'm other side. mostly crowd. with you. Yeah, you're mostly with bed. me. But th- this isn't going to be. We're putting it to bed. All right. Sure. Uh. So so good night to the the Jim Beheim retiring after the end of this season. I think that we can we can nix that. We can axe that. Everybody, just get it out of your head. It's not happening. The, the I don't care that there's this timeline with the with his sons and all that. It's not happening. It's not happening after this year. So just. Put put that pipe dream to, to bed right now. A hey, quick break to tell you about the best place to go to keep your car moving on the road. It is rockauto.com. You know, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why often endure pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? You don't know that sort of question. And wait while the counterman or woman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Very... Why do that when you've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and also in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. They've got amazing selection and reliably low prices so all you got to do now is go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure that when you do make that purchase on rockauto.com write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com
0: it's kubota orange day shop the years best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles
1: into these comments that he made on Brent Axe's show. You alluded to them a little bit earlier, but this is what happens when so much stuff happens over weekends and all that stuff. And we have interviews with guys like Cole Swider and all that stuff. And if you missed that episode, go check it out on our podcast feed, Locked on Syracuse, wherever you get your podcasts. It was a fantastic interview with Cole Swider. So good. We split it into two parts for you. Um, But when I look at some of the notable things he said. I think there were two things that really were the big takeaways for me. And again, he calls into Brent Axe's show after the the story that was released by Anthony DeBundo. We'll get actually to dive into that article with Anthony DeBundo on tomorrow and Thursday's show. We're going to have him on to talk about how he kind of set off this little time bomb in the Syracuse recruiting community. But Object number one that I want to get into here. It is the health of Barama Sidibe. He says that pretty much everything's going really well with Barama Sidibe. Health is right on schedule, and he's pretty much looking fine right now. And to that, I say, yes, he is fine now, and that is notable that it looks like he'll be ready for the start of the season, even after there was some speculation as to whether or not he would be ready for the start of the season. But we've seen this before, just because he is healthy now, Doesn't mean that that is going to be the long term projection for him. I look at Barama Sidibe and say, listen, if he gives you 30, 32 games next season, that is best case. Like that is pipe dream best case scenario. I just have a hard time believing that. And if you're going to take Barama Sadibe's health on this April 20th, shout out for all the the people celebrating the holiday out there, by the way. Um, But on this April 20th, if you're going to take Barama Sadibe's health and say, yep, don't need an insurance policy after that, I think you're making a big mistake. So if yeah. Frank leaves, that then you are you need another big man or another guy that can play center. Okay, so a couple things off of that. One, I want to bring
2: up just a couple quick quotes that the headline here was mostly Isaiah Stewart, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, when we talk to DeBundo tomorrow because he did the reporting on that, and I want to get his perspective because Bayheim kind of Said it went differently, according to him, and and we'll talk to DeBundo about that tomorrow. The other headline was the Kadari comments on restrictions. We'll get to that as well. But he said two things that I thought were interesting that maybe kind of slipped through the cracks. One thing he said is, we're going to play three forwards some of the time. He came out and and point blank said that. Which He said, we're going to play the centers too, but we're going to play three forwards some of the time. Past four years, we've done that. And then he went on this long tangent with Brent about how there's not really a ton of great offensive centers in the college game. He asked Brent who Houston center was. He couldn't name it off the top of his head. And he was trying to make a point that, look at the Final Four teams. They weren't center-based. And we talked about how Baylor's roster makeup really was a lot of guard guys, and maybe
1: that could be a blueprint for Syracuse. And he kind of discussed Yeah, you just kind of need a, a glue guy sometimes at the center position. I mean, yeah. just think about the the Syracuse team that won it all. I mean, Craig Forth, more, he's not going to be a guy who's going to drop you 20, 25 points. going to be a glue guy for you.
2: Right. So it's interesting. So he says that. He says, We're going to play 3 4 some of the time. And he comes out and says, Brahma, he basically said, anybody can get hurt, but right now he's perfectly healthy. And he clarified, and he wanted to make sure that everyone understands that he had an infection. And it wasn't like his knee surgery re-popped up or something. It was an infection that caused him to miss time. It seems like that's past it. So I feel better about Barama's health after hearing that, but you're right. It's not a given. The thing that was interesting that he said, so he says those two things about the forwards playing three, time, three forwards at once. Barama's healthy, and it made me think, okay... They're probably not interested in going into the transfer portal for a backup center or another center or another player, period, right now, given where things are at, especially if Frank comes back. Then he said a quote that said, we're looking for another player in the portal, we will get someone in the portal, which I really wish we could could have magically asked a follow-up in that moment there, because... Did he mean Jimmy Bayheim? Is he counting him? Because this came out before Jimmy's decision was official, this interview with Brent Axe. I'd love to know. I don't know if that's changed now or if it will change if Frank comes back or what the deal is there. But I thought it was interesting that he came out and said, we're looking for another player in the portal and we will get someone else in the portal, which you'd have to think would be a center, would be my guess, or maybe another guard, potentially.
1: Right, because right now you look at the depth chart and after losing Kadari and the the overhaul that happened from the offseason beforehand, right now the depth chart, you're rolling with three guards. It's Joe, it's Buddy, it's Samir, and obviously you lose Alan Griffin too, so he's out of the fold in, in that regard too. And right now you, you do have three, maybe four forward. We'll see how everything shakes out with Quincy and all that stuff. So there is another roster spot, maybe even two, that you could really look into things. And of course, a lot of things have to still shake out, whether it's Quincy, whether it's Frank, all that stuff is important. So uh, I, I do think, yeah, but Bo- I think he knew in the back of his mind that Jimmy was coming and maybe he, I don't think that was the extra guy that they were going yeah. to be adding. I, I, I'm i with you. I don't think that was the guy.
2: It's tough to say for certain, but I thought that was an interesting comment. The stuff he said about Kadari kind of diving into that, he basically came out and said, uh, first off, he said, I think he played more minutes this year than I should have played him because of conditioning and all that, which sounded salty. It sounded like me coming on the podcast and saying he's yeah, not going to be you. that good. Yeah. I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> I, was it you doing a, a Beheim impersonation on Brent Axe's show? Did you, it may Did have you been. fool the producers I, and, and slip through <laughs> the cracks there? I wish I could do,
2: I, I've been working on my Beheim impersonation. Not ready to unveil it yet, but I, I wish I could do it as good
1: enough as that can we so, get a timetable like when is so. that going to be ready when is that can we get we got all we can summer this, man like, i mean we can we do the jim bayheim show I'll, I'll be matt park you can be jim bayheim and, and we can do the jim <laughs> bayheim show one, one day on this on this fine program here
2: yeah if we're really looking for content in the middle of the summer maybe we'll go to that I'm, I'm all for it and like you said we got time he's we squashed the idea of him leaving after next year so i i got time to perfect it and continue to work on it but he did bring up Kadari, and he talked about the idea of the restrictions. I want to squash that right now. I want to say he was never restricted in anything here on the court except for three-point shooting. And he said the reason why we restricted him on three-point shooting is because he was shooting 10% from three. He said he told him not to take threes, but he never told him not to shoot in the tournament, and he wouldn't have been told not to shoot next year as well. Kind of the same thing he said about Quinty. He told Quincy not to shoot his freshman year. And he basically came out at the end of his freshman year and said, I'm going to let Quincy shoot next year and I think he can make threes. And he did say some positive things about Kadari's shot throughout the year. Like, he can make that shot. And it was like he was trying to build him up for next year and kind of get out in front of it a little bit. But I don't know what to make of that because some people, I would say, will be up in arms that he even entertained the idea of, of telling a player not to shoot threes and hamstringing a player like that. But that's Bayheim That's his coaching philosophy. I just the concern I have is is that the best coaching philosophy right now, given that a lot of these players are looking for freedom and they can go elsewhere to find freedom in their game, and it seems like that's a big reason why Kadari did leave.
1: Yeah, the, I think the important thing with Kadari, and I, I look at the the three point numbers, and like he was shooting. like Beheim said, he ends the season at 33%, but I think it's a misleading 33%. I don't know about you, but can you think of a big three that he made? It felt like all of his threes kind of came in garbage time. Yeah, we did this exercise,
2: and they were all in the tournament, and Beheim said he, he made all his threes in the tournament when I let him shoot. It was almost like he was patting himself on the back for that. So, yeah, you're right. It's a little bit of a misleading figure, and he didn't even attempt that many anyway. But I will say... His shot never looked broken, per se. It looked like it needed some tweaking, but it was kind of like Woody Newton or someone. It was like, yeah, I can see this blossoming into a reliable three-point threat. And I think Bayheim largely felt that way, too.
1: Yeah, I think it was, quite frankly, I think it was managed right. I mean, I think you you look at the, the threes, he, he took them in garbage time for the most part. and And that's, I think, a good way for a guy like Kadari to to figure out what his three-point shot is because at the beginning of the season, it was not good. I mean, the, the one time that he did really get to let loose from three was against Pitt, the, the first time that they played against the Panthers. And, and what did he do? He went 0 for 4. So what does that tell me? It tells me that when you are being thrust into a, a game where the, the shots do mean more and the possessions mean... He didn't deliver on that night, and, and I, I think that when you look at him as a three-point shooter, and even against Rutgers, too, 0 for 2, he didn't make big threes, and, and and that to me is a sign that the shot did need some work, and I know he hit a couple in the tournament, but like we said, those were all pretty much when the, the outcome of the game had already been decided.
2: Yeah, final thing for me on basketball, and then we can dive into some of the football stuff. Um he brought up how, and this is again, him sounding like me and the salty fan that's like, ah, who needs Kadari? like we're moving on, and just bummed out at the fact that he left, but he said, I think Seton Hall has five guards down there, so somebody is going to suffer, and he basically was like, we had three, I thought it was a better situation for him, but he decided to leave, and that was perfectly in his right to make that choice, and he said kind of the same type of message about Robert Braswell, we liked Robert a lot, and He moved on, and that's a player's right to move on in this scenario. So, I don't know. The whole larger discussion here is something that I think we could have a more fleshed-out discussion about. It's, does he have to alter his coaching style knowing the time period we're entering now? Where there is basically one-year contracts being renewed each year, and it's a transfer portal season where only three power conference teams have had no— no guys enter the transfer portal this offseason, as it stands right now. I mean, it's a new era, and his coaching philosophy and coaching style might not be the best thing for it, as we've discussed. So is it worth altering? Maybe. But at the same time, I don't think Beheim will ever really entertain altering it, given how long he's been doing it and just the way that he operates.
1: And I don't know how much he needs to. Like, you can say, okay, yeah, there's, there's going to be kids that you're going to miss out on. And I think there are going to be there and there have been kids that Syracuse has missed out on. But at the same time, I think that the X's and O's and the development, especially with some forwards and guards has made up for the lack of the, the recruiting rankings and all that stuff that you see. So,
2: all right, guys, before we get into the football discussion, I want to remind you about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action Right now, they have a great interface, very easy to use. You got all kinds of MLB games that you can bet on right now NBA, NHL, plus the NFL draft. Always fun to do those NFL draft prop bets. There's been some intriguing ones that I've been checking out on the Bet Online site. You can go over there today, sign up for your free account, and once you sign up, don't forget we have a promo code for you. Locked on is the promo code. It's all one word, and it gets you a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit, which means. If you want to put down $100 for your first deposit to play with, you get an additional $50. Bucks. Whatever you put down, 50% of that is a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use that promo code, which, again, is locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, over at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles
1: All right, let's get into some football stuff here now. We went a little longer than we thought on yesterday's show because we got into a little bit of a spirited conversation on the lack of a depth chart right now on um, for the Syracuse football team. And uh, before we get into that, though, I do want to mention Tyrell Richards, linebacker for the Syracuse team, entering the transfer portal. Some interesting timing. It is pretty late in this process now you're seeing teams they're already practicing and obviously some have already had their spring games but Tyrell Richards a guy who you and I both pegged as someone who would be a starter last season um, didn't play nearly as much last year as we had anticipated there was some stuff off the field as well with him but with Richards I mean he's gone he was a guy who I liked I thought he always played like a violent like a clean but violent brand of football that I thought really suited him well was good on special teams but he's He's going to be departing the program now. Um, so Syracuse now with a little more of an uphill battle at linebacker. But hey, that that is a position that they have had success with lately. Yeah, Whether no,
2: I feel I mean, good about the linebackers. It's kind of weird. We I think we said last year they're a year away. The linebacker group. Well, now we've reached that year, and it's exciting. Right. And it's probably a good sign for the other linebackers. And Stephen Bailey wrote a good article. Shout out to him. We we got some knowledge about kind of the overperformers in camp which we've all been clamoring for and seems like he just kind of based that on some of the sources he has and he's very well sourced within the football program but he talked about how Marlo Wax Steph Thompson are looking pretty good in his article a couple other players that maybe we'll touch on as the week develops too but you can go check out that article is on 247 sports and it was a good kind of overview of what's happened in camp so far there's always a couple guys around this time that after the spring practice, they realize where they stack up in the depth chart, and then they make an educated decision, or maybe they enter the transfer portal from there, and perhaps that's what happened with Tyrell Richards. It was kind of weird that this is how his career ends, because I thought he was a great fit for the three-three-five. but I'm excited about the linebacker group nonetheless and wish him all the best.
1: Yeah, and we, I mean, we brought up some of the linebackers there, and that's a, in addition to a group that includes – Lee Koba, who played really well towards the end of the season. Michael Jones, who I thought was fantastic all year long. He was kind of like an Andre Cisco at linebacker, just always had a nose for the ball. And I thought that was, uh, that the linebacking group, I think, is going to be yeah. probably the strength of the defense next year. Um, and they're just going to be a year older. But anyway, getting into the conversation, an extension of the conversation that we had yesterday, And the frustrations with Syracuse fans, because there should be a lot of positive buzz and momentum around this team. Even though they were 1-10 in a season ago, and they are going to be losing three guys to the NFL Draft. By the way, check out the Locked On NFL Draft coverage. It's fantastic. They're doing a full mock draft. There's all these experts chiming in. Michael Irvin, Tim. Michael Irvin is a part of this NFL Draft coverage from Odyssey. So uh, check out all of the Locked On NFL Draft coverage coverage, wherever you get your podcasts, but there should be some steam, some momentum behind this train right now. I mean, listen, what Tim and I were saying on yesterday's show, we're not asking for a hard knocks like series. We're not asking for these extra social media graphics here and there. We are literally asking for them to tie their shoes. We are asking for them to give us a depth chart, give us a spring game. Give us some sort of timetable calendar, all that stuff. That is the bare minimum of what a Power 5 football institution does, all right? And that's all we're asking for right now. And we got a good tweet from at Demidome9, who listens to the show, I think, almost every day. He tweets at us a fair amount, but he said, Thank you for getting to the, the disaster that is Syracuse Media Communications when it comes to Cuse football. If I was still in Cuse and still a season ticket holder, I'd be angry as hell the amount of information slash access I was getting. 100%. I love Dino, but Q's football isn't my kid. It can't be unconditional love. I need something back. Give me a roster, a depth chart. And why should all the other ACC schools' fans get to enjoy their team with a nothing spring game? I mean, come on. He's right. I think yeah. he hit it on the head. And that is the clear frustration that Syracuse football fans are feeling right now. When they're in this like hush period, it feels like, with this team, who brought in a new quarterback, who bolstered up the biggest weakness from last season, the offensive line, guess what? You've got two awesome names coming in to help this team out, and on top of that, you're going to be developing the group that started to get a little bit better as the season got on last year, and you're not going to be playing Chris Elmore on the offensive line anymore. Like There should be buzz around this team. You're bringing back an all-ACC caliber receiver in Taj Harris. There should be something with this team that has you saying, you know what, this could be a solid year for this team. Who knows, can they get back to a bowl game?
2: I am all for them changing things up going into this year and making a statement and saying, okay, we're throwing last year out the window. We have to be better this is the culture we're breeding, we're focused, we're determined, none of that hype video crap. I get when people tweet at us and say, That's fine, I want them to be focused. The only thing I'd say to that is I think there's a world where they can be focused and they can release a roster. That can coexist.
1: It's not like you can I don't have think that can coexist. That that is literally the standard. That is the bare yeah. minimum prerequisite to fielding a football team. Right. Release and the it- roster, release the the depth chart.
2: It's just in their best interest. The fan base is not happy after a 1-10 in season. So what do you do? You try to breed optimism. Everyone is looking wherever they can for optimism. People are listening to this podcast probably right now and other Syracuse shows just hoping that they can hear positive things about the football team. And like you said, there's a fair amount of positive things to share that we would be sharing more of if we just had access and we had more intel on what is happening and we didn't have to go frame by frame on a little video that they post about the scrimmage. I mean, that's what it's resulted to. They release a video, which is about all we get, and it's a quick montage of highlights, and I'm stopping it every two seconds to try to figure out who's number 23, and are they playing offense or defense, and is that Isaiah Jones? Oh, maybe he's doing well. And then that's me just making assumptions based off that, when if you gave me a roster and a depth chart, I'd actually have concrete things, To talk about on this podcast, and just to talk about with my friends that also like Syracuse football, and to get more optimistic about the season overall, which they've done in the past, and I don't know why it's been such a drastic departure from that. To go from the Hard Knocks videos to this is kind of crazy that it's under the same head coach, but I'm all for changing things up. It's just... I. I don't think we're asking for a ton here to get a depth chart. Everyone else, I mean, I'd love to look up how many schools release it, and we really should do some digging on this, but I'd have to imagine it's a large percentage of power conference schools.
1: And listen, you and I, I think this is the part that's getting lost in translation. You and I are not screaming from the mountaintops that there needs to be some sort of video series chronicling this team's training camp. If you do it, cool. If you don't, also cool. I don't care either way, all right? I am asking for literally the bare minimum. I am asking for you to say thank you and please to grandma and grandpa right now. Like that that's what we are asking for with a depth chart in a spring game. That's that's all it is. And in a world of athletics now where guess what? You you lost a lot of revenue from a season ago, why not let some fans in to go see a football game in this yep. newly renovated dome, which is another big seen. hype machine. That, yeah, yep. like, okay, you've seen it for lacrosse, but this thing was made not for really football. Even. Yeah. Right. This dome was made for football. The jumbotron, all of the new amenities of it, the roof, it was all made to be experienced at a football game. And because of the, the pandemic, you couldn't roll it out last year. But this year, I mean, by all indications, there should, maybe it's not full capacity, but there will be a lot of fans in the stands in the fall, I'd imagine. That is my early prognostication for for the college football season. We're m- months away, but a lot of vaccines are rolling out, and, and things are getting better day by day, it seems like. Um, but, I mean, this is what we're asking for. We're not asking for all of the, the extra stuff. We're asking for a bare minimum standard, and... Um, at Turf underscore on underscore fire says, uh, this is in response to Demi Dome's tweet, agree and disagree. Remember the City Hall, the hype videos, etc. all that jazz just to go five and seven after a 10 win year. I'd rather have them focused. Dino doesn't like to show his cards. I don't think the release of a depth chart is showing your cards. Like Florida State is not looking at Syracuse's spring depth chart and getting the, the fear of God sent into them. As a result of that, I don't think there's some sort of tactical advantage to not releasing a depth chart in the spring. There's a tactical advantage if you start to fudge some names and and availability when it's actually game week. But a spring depth chart, like, just miss me with that. Like, I I don't think that is at all a big deal. To it's not a tactical advantage to to be hiding and withholding the names that's on this team right now.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. The final note I have on football, just wanted to bring this up also from Stephen Bailey's article, which is about all we have these days, so shout out to Stephen, but he did say that Tommy DeVito is, looks sharp to start the quarterback competition, and it seems like early indicators are that it's not going to be a cakewalk for Garrett Trader to take that job or anything like that, and it looks like DeVito has come back, he's healthy, he's making the right reads, it's going to be a totally different thing. When he's thrown into a game, because let's face it, Tommy, with no one really rushing him, has always been very good. And we've always liked his passes when he has a clean pocket. My concerns are more how he operates in the game and when things are thrown in his face. But overall, it seems like DeVito has got the leg up early going to that quarterback competition, which is another thing that i just love to hear more about because not many teams have QB competitions. And that breeds a lot of confidence conversation about your team and honestly mostly optimistic because I think you and I are in the same camp here whoever wins it's just nice to know that they beat someone else out for the job and that's exciting
1: and you know what you know what I would really like to know is Tommy DeVito playing well in camp right now because of improved offensive line play because if that's the case doesn't that drastically change your opinion of what this team would look like next season like that that is That is two or three wins that I would be adding to this team.
2: Yeah. Or is Damian Alford catching one of those touchdown
1: passes in the scrimmage? Is Isaiah Jones... Is Benson doing anything? Like, these are the things we want to know.
2: Right. And wide receiver, I talked about this when I did the little depth chart thing, but that's an unknown group where someone has to step up, and, and Bailey did say that Damian Alford and Isaiah Jones have looked good, so I brought up those two names, but... I'd love to know who's stepping up there. I'd love to get some confidence in the wide receiver group from one of the coaches or one of the players or whoever is able to speak to us or anyone, any of the fans right now. So, yeah, I mean, we're kind of being a dead horse at this point, but I think it's worth talking about because it's not asking a lot. Like we said, it's the bare minimum to just release a roster.
1: Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on today's show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Hit that subscribe button as well, wherever you get your podcast from. And also, be sure to to subscribe to Locked On's Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It's live now, wherever you get your podcast. You're going to get picks and analysis from 75-plus experts, including some of the Odyssey Sports Insiders and Locked On podcast network local experts as well it's a huge draft for Syracuse guys so you're yeah. you're gonna be hearing like when's the last time you remember an NFL draft where there's this much Syracuse buzz because like we're talking about guys who are going to be day one and day two guys
2: yeah like, it, it's been I don't some know time. the answer but I'd love that they proved it a little bit more with their communications that's another thing that we can yeah. brag on right now so show yeah. me that it's a huge draft too but that's a whole nother thing
1: Right. But anyway, we've got you covered here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So be sure to check that out tomorrow and Thursday on the show. We talked about it earlier. Anthony DeBundo is going to hop on with us from the Daily Orange. He wrote that big piece about the decline in Syracuse recruiting. So we will get into all of that with DeBundo. Just another ACC school is how Syracuse has been described by one scout. So we will talk about that with Anthony tomorrow and Thursday on the show. And you can also check us out on Twitter for all the latest Syracuse news and buzz. We'll be with you guys tomorrow on the show with DeBundo. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.